Someone once said that the Church of Jesus Christ in the West will finally have come to understand the fullness of the gospel when Pentecost is as big a celebration as Christmas and Easter. Why? Well, if Christmas celebrates the fact that God has come down to be with us, Easter celebrates the fact that God has triumphed for us, and Pentecost celebrates the fact that God dwells within us. Pentecost presents the church with a central fact of the gospel that without the Holy Spirit, the Christian life and the mission of the church would be simply inconceivable and even impossible. Because there can be no life without the life giver. There can be no understanding without the spirit of truth. No fellowship without the unity of the spirit. No Christ-likeness of character without the fruit of the spirit. And no effective witness without the power of the spirit. And so Pentecost reminds us that as a body without the breath of God is a corpse, so the church without the spirit of God is dead. So we gather on this Pentecost Sunday to just thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we are alive in him, to ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, and to drink deeply of the living waters that the Spirit has for us. And as we do that this morning, we are invited to concentrate the affections of our heart and the, the intent of our mind upon Acts chapter 2, that first Pentecost Sunday. There were people dwelling together. They received a presence from on high, and that drew more people to themselves. In Luke, uh, in verse 1 of chapter 2, we're told that when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all dwelling together in one place. That is, the, the 12 apostles and other, other followers of Jesus. And they were there because Jesus had told them to wait, to wait for the promise of the Father from on high. And you can imagine them sharing stories as they were waiting for this promise. Each of them had a story. <laughs> I was the girl who was hiding in the room waiting to be rescued. I was the man who was born blind and, and had no hope. I was the merchant who was trying to prove my merits by making as much as I could. I was the picture of perfection in my town, but when it came down to it, I had no clue what I was doing. I was always the center of attention wherever I went, but Lord, help the person who took away my chance to shine. I was the person whose marriage fell apart. I was the person who lost a child. I was the person who couldn't stop doing what I was doing, even though I knew it was so destructive. So you can just imagine the stories that people were telling as they were waiting there in that room, because each of them had a story, just as each one of us has a story. And each of them had been touched, had been captured, had been transformed by this Jesus who was so full of grace and truth together. And each one of them could no longer imagine what life would be like without him, their teacher and their Lord, their rabbi. And yet each one of them had been surprised by Jesus enough to know that when he asks something of you, no matter how inconceivable or incomprehensible, then you just trust him. And so there they were gathered together waiting. Jesus had told them to wait. He had told them, in fact, that it would be better for them if he left them he had something more for them than he had already given them, and so he wanted them to wait. And then Luke, in verses 2 through 4, tells us what it was that Jesus wanted to give them. It was a presence. 
You know, so often we want something from God and God wants to give us someone. And this presence that they received was a different kind of presence. It wasn't a physical presence. It was a personal presence, but not physical. It was a new kind of presence that Jesus' followers had not experienced before, a presence that even the presence of Jesus had not given them. It was an indwelling presence, a filling presence, a, a living water welling up with inside them presence. Verse 2, we're told, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire place where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know, sometimes when approaching this passage, we can get so caught up on the kind of extraordinary sensory signs, the sound and the sight and the speech that we can miss the main point of what Luke is trying to tell us here. It's that Almighty God is taking up residence in human lives, in human bodies, in human persons. People are now his holy dwelling place. Clearly, this fact was so astonishing and so amazing to Luke um, that he couldn't even fully capture in language what this reality from heaven was. In verse 2, we're told that the noise was not a wind, but it sure sounded like it. The sight was not a fire, but it definitely appeared as if it were. And, and the speech that, that, that came flowing from these disciples was in discernible languages, but somehow these languages were something other than they'd ever spoken before. And Luke is trying to communicate to us in this moment that, as always with God, human speech grasps after the reality of what God is doing in the world, but at some point it comes to its limits just in the presence of the Almighty. The point of Pentecost is, is less about being able to perfectly describe what is happening in Pentecost and more about getting caught up in the wind and the power and the presence of God. I like the way that uh, New Testament scholar Tom Wright put it. He said, there is a difference between a meteorologist tracking a hurricane on his devices and somebody actually feeling the wind of the hurricane on the ground. When it comes to Pentecost, it's far more important that you and I are out there in the wind, letting it sweep through our life. <laughs> letting it sweep through our hearts and our imaginations and our powers of speech, letting it transform us from a listless or a lifeless believer into someone whose heart is on fire with the love of God again. One of my favorite Swiss uh, theologians and priests said this little prayer. He said, oh, fire of God, come melt my icy heart that it may flow with rivers of living water again. You see, the gift of Pentecost is the gift of an indwelling presence. And the signs of Pentecost, uh, the wind and the fire and the languages are just evidence of the fact that the new age of the Holy Spirit is here in power and in holiness. But interestingly, it's, it's the third sign, the speech, the different tongues, the different languages, that, that is the one that Luke narrows in on in verses 5 through 13. 
It's this particular sign that bewilders and amazes and astonishes and, and perplexes the urbanites of Jerusalem. Because this little backwater crowd of country people from, from Galilee are now proclaiming the wonderful deeds, the mighty works of God in native languages that are not their own. Languages of people from all over the ancient world. And so Luke spells this out for us in verses 9 to 11. He takes great detail and tells us where these people are from. Parthians and Medes and, and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia. Pontus and Asia. Phrygia and Pamphylia. Egypt and, and parts of Libya that belong to Cyrene. And visitors from Rome, both, both Jews and, and converts to Rome, and Cretans and Arabians. We saw this a few weeks ago, but once again, Luke takes great time to list where everybody is from. And you get people all the way from like uh, modern-day Georgia and Azerbaijan, um, all the way to Asia Minor and Turkey here, people in North Africa, and then Luke talks about people that are all over the Mediterranean, all the way to Rome, and then Cretans and Arabians. <laughs> Why does Luke go into such detail? Because it underscores what for Luke is one of the main points of Pentecost. One of the main points of significance for Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit is bringing about a new human unity, a human unity in the church that transcends racial and national and linguistic barriers. Because the kingdom of Christ that is being established by the Holy Spirit is a multi-ethnic, multinational, multilingual kingdom. And so Luke wants to, to point this out to us because Luke is viewing Pentecost as the reversal of what took place at the Tower of Babel in Luke chapter 11. At the Tower of Babel, people proudly tried to ascend to heaven. On Pentecost in Jerusalem, heaven humbly descends to earth. At the Tower of Papel, people tried to do a mighty work to make a name for themselves. At Pentecost in Jerusalem, people proclaimed the mighty works of God in the name of Jesus. At the Tower of Babel, people were scattered into different languages and divided by God, whereas in Jerusalem, people are united and brought together by the languages they speak. So Luke is wanting to show us that what comes from heaven, chapter 2, verse 2, draws people together, verse 5, from every nation under heaven. Like Pentecost is about the whole human race being blessed and united by the Spirit of God. So while the Feast of Pentecost and what we celebrate today is a very personal experience and celebration, we say, God, fill my life with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Come and rest on me, touch and anoint and heal me. What Luke is trying to tell us is that the goal of Pentecost is much bigger than any one of us receiving the Holy Spirit. That Pentecost is about God's plans throughout all salvation history starting to come to fruition. And his plans has always been to create and redeem a whole people for himself from every tribe and tongue and nation. A people that would reflect the multifaceted splendor of his beauty and like the universal scope of his lordship. 
So what Luke is trying to tell us is that to experience the indwelling presence of the Spirit with people who don't look like you and think like you or vote like you or speak like you is to experience a little piece of heaven. This is one of the reasons why the Eastern Orthodox Church um, decorates their sanctuaries with palm trees on Pentecost Sunday. It's to reflect this part of what heaven will look like. In John chapter 7, Jesus says, I mean, John says in Revelation chapter 7, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation under heaven, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and here it is, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then John tells us that around these, this multi-ethnic choir, there are angels standing there and, and elders and, and living creatures, and they are falling on their faces before the throne, worshiping the God of heaven, saying blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and power and might be to our God forever and ever. And so what we discover on Pentecost is that not only does the Holy Spirit want to anoint each one of us personally with the empowering presence of Almighty God, but the Holy Spirit wants to draw people from every tribe and tongue and nation together so that they would form a multi-ethnic community that together can proclaim the praises of the lamb who was slain, the only one who is worthy of all honor. So Pentecost is about being united for worship, being anointed for worship, being filled to proclaim the excellencies of God. And so it's with this in mind that I want to end by reading you a poem from Malcolm Geith, a poem for Pentecost. And it goes like this. Today we feel the wind beneath our wings. Today the hidden fountain flows and plays. Today the church draws breath at last and sings as every flame becomes a tongue of praise. This is the feast of fire air and water, poured out and breathed and kindled into earth. The earth herself awakens with her maker, translated out of death into birth. The right words come today in their right order, and every word spells freedom and release. Today the gospel crosses every border, all tongues are loosened by the Prince of Peace. Today, the lost are found in his translation, whose mother tongue is love in every nation. My brothers and sisters, happy Pentecost. I speak these things to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.